Villas Grace Church. Building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You so much for this opportunity to gather together this morning. We are here because Jesus is our common denominator. Within our fellowship, Lord, allow us to be motivated to encourage one another towards you. Lord, we pray that the gospel is always the central focus of our preaching and teaching and our worship here at Villa's Grace. Now, as we turn to the proclamation of your word for the remainder of our time this morning, I pray that we allow your truth to penetrate our hearts. We allow your spirit, we allow him to convict us in such a way that encourages us back to you. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's face some facts. Some people are delusional to reality. And after making that statement, I'm sure you were thinking of a few people in your life that you would say, yeah, they're delusional. The definition of delusional is this, for those of you that may be wondering, it's just simply having false or unrealistic beliefs or opinions. Just yesterday, I was told I was delusional. I kid you not, yes. Some of you are like, it's about time somebody called you out. No, I was in the barbershop, good good client, comes in. He's one of those guys, I, I kind of wind him up, you know, a little bit, because it doesn't take much, and then he just entertains everybody as he just continues to just get angry about everything, but then he's like half joking, half not, but he entertains everybody for his time in there, and I just know exactly what to say just to get him going, and I got him going just a little bit, but then it turned into this. He told me I was delusional, and he said, I'm delusional because I believe in this cosmological genie that lives in the sky, and he was actually referring to God when I when I heard him say that. He said, I'm delusional because I believe in something that's not real. And I had shared with him, you know, over the times that he's come in that Jesus existed before the foundation of the world. So his whole thing is, and you're even crazier and more delusional because you believe that Jesus existed before Christianity existed. Now, what he doesn't quite understand is that Christianity has always been part of God's plan. Therefore, Christianity existed before the creation of the world too. And he even said that, you know, what are you going to do? How are you going to show me that Jesus existed before? And And I just wanted to say to him, but because I wound him up so tight, and now he was unraveling, I didn't have a chance to get a word in, but you can use the whole entire Bible to prove that Jesus existed before the foundation of the world. In fact, it's almost like, where do I start? Where do you want me to start to prove to you from God's word that Jesus did in fact exist? But nevertheless, I was called delusional. But I never found myself in this book here. This is a book by Victoria Shepherd, And in her book, it's titled, Histories of Delusion. She gives accounts of delusional patients and physicians who actually studied them. I just want to go through just a few of these accounts that are found within this book. One patient is a clockmaker who actually thought his head had been chopped off and accidentally swapped for another head. 
There's another patient who was a London tea broker who interrupted Parliament to warn the politicians that there was this device called an heirloom that was actually controlling their thoughts. There's even the account of a middle-aged housewife who showed up at a Parisian police station to report that her entire family had been replaced by doubles. Though these extreme examples of delusion are just that extreme, there's an interesting observation from this book I think that we should take note of without even having to read it. I'm going to go ahead and share it with you. And this observation is indicative of all who succumb to a delusional way of thinking. So everyone who succumbs to a delusional way of thinking actually sees this reoccurring pattern happen. And it's evident from the patients that were studied in this book. And it's been noted that this pattern contains patients or anybody who's delusional that actually wants to preserve their respect. They want to be respected. Even though they're delusional to reality, each and every one of them still wanted to be respected. And each patient in this book actually attempted to protect their respect that they think that they're owed through delusions of grandiosity in order to restore their dig dignity and their self-worth. Delusions of grandiosity can potentially be elevated to delusions of grandeur, which manifests itself through inflated levels of self-importance. That's really what happens. Delusional thinking leads to elevated levels of self-importance. Brothers and sisters, self-importance is an enemy of the gospel. Also, do you know who else was delusional? We can, we can put these patients aside. We can put myself aside from what the man accused me of being delusional to the other day. There, there actually was another people group that we've been getting to know over the last few weeks that was delusional as well. And that was the crowd that had been following Jesus. They were delusional. The past few weeks, we've discussed their inability to observe reality, the reality of Jesus' miracles, the reality of his claiming to be the bread of life, the reality in which Jesus stated, he stated this, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who has sent me. However, I'd like to take this one step further. Anyone, anyone who does not know that Jesus is God, anyone who does not know that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice for sin, Anyone who does not know that eternal life is solely contingent upon Jesus and Him alone is delusional. Simply, they're blinded by their own delusions of self-grandeur, a.k.a. an elevated self-importance, a.k.a. the enemy of the gospel. And this brings us to the title of our sermon this morning, and that title is this, The Source of of eternal life. The source of eternal life. We're still in John as we're going through this magnificent gospel according to John, verse by verse. We're in chapter 6 this morning, starting in verse 41, and we're going to end in verse 50 today. But last week, we can't forget that we were encouraged to know that eternal salvation 
is solely contingent upon Jesus. We recognize that Jesus isn't losing His grip on our salvation. There is no losing our salvation because Jesus has firmly gripped our eternity. After all, Jesus Himself said this. What did He say? He said, And this is the will of Him who sent Me, that of everything that He has given Me, I will lose nothing. Once we come to a saving faith in Jesus, our eternal salvation is secured in Him. All of which Jesus declared is God's will. God's will for a redeemed humanity. So just think about it. Those who are confident in Jesus' grip upon their salvation... They are more efficient followers of Christ and they're more efficient because they don't have to worry about earning or working for God's approval, which is the same, it's the exact same thing as elevated self-grandeur or an elevated sense of self-importance. No, they continually focus on sharing the source of eternal life with those who are delusional. You know what I just got done saying? I kind of went the long way of saying it, but the guy that said I was delusional yesterday in the barbershop, I just said that he is, in fact, delusional. So with that being said, now I have a job. If I'm confident in Jesus' grip upon my salvation, if I don't have to worry about earning and working for God's favor, my job is to pray for him, and my job is to share the gospel with him as he comes in. And I'm sure you have people in your life that you know that you can do the same with as well. Because we don't want to be in a position where we don't share the gospel with those who are delusional to the reality of the gospel in which we see Jesus doing right here in all of six of John. And let's go ahead and get into our verses, starting in verse 41 and ending in verse 50. So then the Jews who were complaining about him because he said, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. And they were saying, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he say I have come down out of heaven? Jesus answered and said to them, stop complaining amongst yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that everyone has seen the Father, except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down out of heaven, so that anyone may eat from it and not die. Amen. As we look to put these verses into one sentence that becomes our main idea, it looks just like this. Our eternity is forever secured through repentance of sin and faith in Jesus. Our eternity is forever secured through repentance of sin and faith in Jesus. So before we begin... Before we get into verse 41 and, and start this process this morning, we must remember that the crowd that had been following Jesus, they were actually Jewish. 
This crowd that we've been seeing leading up into this point was actually Jewish. And their delusions to the gospel actually stemmed from their unbelief. See, it's their unbelief that had them complaining about him, as you see right here as we begin in verse 41. You can see where it says, complaining about him. This is the same behavior of their Jewish ancestors that we saw in Exodus. So let's go to Exodus chapter 16, verses 2, and then 8 and 9. I'm going to read these for you. They will be on your screen as well. But the whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And Moses said, This will happen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and bread to full in the morning. For the Lord hears your grumblings, which you grumble against Him. And what are we? Your grumblings are not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, Come forward before the Lord, for he has heard your grumblings. These complaints were initiated in the wilderness as they came out of exile, as they came out of Egypt. The Jewish crowd in John 6 actually participated in a continuation of complaining as it began right here in Exodus 16. These Jewish ancestors in Exodus 16 complained before the manna was provided, and they complained after they had received it. So as we go back to verse 41, now this is where claiming that these Jews were delusional to the reality of the gospel comes into play. Because see, they were clearly incensed, and that's the reason why they're complaining. They are incensed that Jesus said things that made him equal to God. They were incensed that Jesus claimed right here, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. And incensed, as you'll remember, that he was not the type of king that they actually wanted. If we just go back a few weeks as we were in John previously, we realized that they were upset because Jesus wasn't the king that they thought that he should be. Remember, they wanted a temporary earthly king for the moment. One who could provide for them health, wealth, and success. So they weren't getting what they wanted. Therefore, they were complaining just like their ancestors in the wilderness. So what does Jesus say? He says to them, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. Again, they've already witnessed his miracles. They already saw what he could do with small fish, two small fish and five loaves of barley bread. They've already seen what he's capable of, yet they couldn't get over the fact that he was the son of Joseph. They couldn't get over the fact that they know his mother. They couldn't get over the fact that he was not only human, but the fact that he was claiming to be God too. Brothers and sisters, this is still an issue today. This is still an issue today. Many religions recognize the existence of Jesus. Some, including Islam, claim Jesus is actually a prophet. It's just that they do not recognize his deity. They do not recognize the fact that he and God are equal because he is God in human form. And there's something else they couldn't get over. They couldn't get over his message. His message of repentance from sin. 
in his message of faith in him as a prerequisite to enter the kingdom of God. This message is the reality of the gospel. A message they are delusional to. A message we still see people today be delusional towards. So as we move on to verses 43 through 45, we recognize that Jesus answers their delusion right here in verse 43. Now, you may still be wondering why we're calling unbelievers delusional. I want to read what one commentator had to say. He says this, Those who continually reject the truth may find that God will judicially harden their hearts. Now, see, we understand that this actually is true from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9-11. through 11. These will be on the screen, and I will also read them aloud for you. But verse 9 starts like this. That is, the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not accept the love of the truth so as to be saved. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false. Now, we must understand that currently there's a delusion of Israel. It's a partial delusion of, of Israel, which has been paved a nice path for us Gentiles to receive the gospel. So God has partially deluded the Jews in order for us to receive the gospel. However, God will one day remove Israel's blindness, which will allow for a believing remnant of Jewish people to actually be saved. And if you want to read further on that, and we're not going to get into it this morning, but for those of you that take notes, you could look at Romans 11, verse 25. You could look at Zechariah chapter 10, or chapter 12, verses 10, and then chapter 13, verse 1. So Romans 11:25, Zechariah 12:10 and 13:1 to read on that further. But as we go back to verse 43 through 45, we notice that Jesus doesn't address their delusion. It's almost like he ignores it. Rather, he makes a comment and it's actually a command. He says, "Stop complaining." Stop complaining. See, he already knew their complaining only reflected the rebellious, hardened hearts. He knew the source of where this complaining was coming from, and he also knew that if he chose to defend himself, they'd only reject his message again because they had been rejecting the gospel. Now, when Jesus says this here, he says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent him or sent me draws him. We understand that this is along the same lines as what we just read from Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, that is, chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. It is God who controls the deluding influence. The deluding influence originates from God, and it is sustained by God. Brothers and sisters, salvation belongs to God, not man. Because we're born into a deluding influence of rebellion, each and every one of us. We're all born into a deluding influence of rebellion. Now, that was 
put on display for me yesterday with this individual that I told you about that told me I was delusional because I believe Jesus is Messiah, because I believe Jesus is creator, sustainer of his creation. And his example to me, because he claims to be an atheist, was he could actually, and I'm not going to do what he did or say what he said, but he used some expletives and looked up at the ceiling and said, I can do this to God. That's his rebellion. We're all born rebellious. If we're born with a natural tendency to be rebellious, only Jesus could save us from that rebellion. We can't flip the switch and turn the rebellion off. It's not our work. It's the work of Christ. Because we're so easily enticed by our own grandiosity, aren't we? Because our inflated sense of self-importance, we can only come to the source of eternal life if we've been drawn by God himself. So if you're hearing this message this morning and you're unsure about your salvation, through God's word, he's drawing you to him. If you're hearing this message and you know that you can't save yourself, if you know that there's no amount of work that you can do on your own to please the Father, then he is drawing you to him through his gospel, which says, only I can save. You can't save yourself. This is because only God can draw us out of our delusion to the reality of the gospel. We were all delusional to the gospel at one point until the Lord intervened in our lives. This is why we know that we cannot lose our salvation too, though. If we know that only God can draw us into salvation, then we know that we can do nothing to lose our salvation because Jesus as it says in the title of our sermon this morning, is the source of eternal life. The source. And it's His work that saves us. If it were our work, then yes, yes, we could lose our salvation. If it was contingent upon what we could do, then yes, we could definitely lose our salvation. But we know that it's not our work, which is why in verse 45, Jesus paraphrases Isaiah 54, 13. I'm just going to read it for you. It won't be on your screen. Isaiah the prophet wrote this, All your sons will be taught by the Lord, and the well-being of your sons will be great. What Jesus is saying, he's saying those who come to a saving faith do so as they're supernaturally instructed by God. Brothers and sisters, you're delusional to think that salvation is contingent upon your work. Only a rebellious heart believes that the work of the individual can please a divine God. What kind of God would God be if we could impress him? He wouldn't be a God, would he? This is the deluding influence in the world it's in the synagogues, it's in the Islamic and Hindu temples, and it's even in some churches. We're not the source of eternal life. Jesus is. And as we move on to verse 46, Jesus actually verifies that he is the source of eternal life because only he has seen the Father. No one can claim to be one with the Father in heaven. 
No one has been sent from heaven to earth by the Father, and no one has the authority to speak on behalf of the Father. Well, no one that is except Jesus. And what is it that Jesus says? What is it that he says? With all that authority, as being one with God, being sent from heaven by God, being equal to God, what does he say? See, this is what's crazy to me. Because I, I will share this with you. And I've talk, spoken at length with Pastor Jared about this. Sometimes we get feedback on our preaching and teaching here at Villa's Grace and people say, it's just too simple. You guys keep repeating yourselves. Well, what does Jesus say right here? He says, truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes has eternal life. If Jesus shares that, if that is his message that is recorded in God's word, we will preach that. It's just that simple. Why is the preaching not simple to those who know the gospel? Because we understand how complex our sinfulness is. When you understand how complex of a sinner you are, you want to hear the gospel. When you're delusional to the reality of the gospel, the gospel makes no sense, so then you just think that they're just repeating themselves over and over and over again, but no, we're not. I don't know about you, but I didn't stop sinning this morning. Did you stop sinning this morning? Are you sinful? Have you graduated to a level where you don't sin anymore? I need the gospel. I should be the number one preacher of the gospel to myself daily. You should be the number one preacher of the gospel to yourself daily too. We're talking about big ideas here. Jesus is claiming to be the brother life. Jesus came from heaven as God took on human form. That's pretty complex, isn't it? That's a concept that doesn't make sense to our human minds. So we have to simplify our need for Christ over and over and over again because we live in a world that is under a deluding influence. And our job as believers is to share our faith with others who are under that delusion. How do you crack through that delusion when you share the gospel? You don't, but Jesus does. And maybe when it's your prime time opportunity to share the gospel with somebody else, Jesus already cracked that nut for you to be able to share what it is that he's called you to share in their life. And then the gospel starts making sense to them because they're no longer delusional. Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes has eternal life. The one who believes, the one who trusts God's self-revelation in Jesus, because that's what Jesus was doing to this delusional crowd. He was revealing himself as God. I don't know what else he had to do. But still yet they were delusional. Even though they were seeing Jesus perform these miracles in the flesh. Now we've been discussing how salvation cannot be lost. So with that being said, do you notice anything significant about verse 47? Because I don't want to just make statements and then just continue on without actually backing up the reason why we make the statements that we make. And right here in verse 47 is a prime example as to why we know we cannot lose our salvation. Because what does it say? It says, has eternal life. Our possession of eternal life is present tense. 
It doesn't say will have eternal life. It doesn't say had eternal life. It says has eternal life. Present tense. We possess eternal life present day. And this indicates that not only can we not lose our salvation, but it also indicates that we can enjoy possessing eternal life now. Not in its entirety, but we can enjoy certain aspects of eternal life now. So instead of being worried about whether or not you've done enough to please God, we're free to be confident in our salvation. Therefore, we can confidently focus on sharing the source of eternal life with those who are delusional to the reality of the gospel. The gospel makes sense to us because the Holy Spirit lives within us Because we can sit there and say, yeah, I am very sinful. In fact, I understand a little bit more about my sinfulness today than what I did yesterday in the same person that I need. Jesus is the same person yesterday that I need today, that I'm going to need tomorrow, that I will need forever. The message doesn't change. We've discussed too, Pastor Steve discussed Wednesday night in our men's group how we will see the scars of Christ for all of eternity. And that's because he died the perfect sacrifice. He doesn't need a resurrected body. His body knew knew no sin. So therefore, we will still see the flogging that he took. We will see the nail holes for all of eternity. So this gospel message that we preach, the one that we could be accused of being too simple about, and repeating ourselves on is the same gospel message that God will remind us of for all of eternity when we see Jesus. So why would we not preach that now? Because I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I don't think this limb's going to break. We probably need the gospel more now. We need to preach the gospel more now to ourselves than what we will in eternity. Because we're still in our sin suits And one day, when Jesus ends today and tells us he will raise them up on the last day, according to 1 Corinthians 15, Paul tells us we will receive new resurrected bodies that are not stained by sin any longer. So as Joe comes up and we close out this morning, again, Jesus reaffirms that he is the bread of life. Again, he mentions the manna in the wilderness as he contrasts the difference between the two. See, the manna was a miracle performed by God to sustain the Israelites physically for a temporary time. Whereas the bread of life sustains all who believe spiritually for all of eternity. Brothers and sisters, we need to be consistently and constantly reminded that our eternal need surpasses temporary physical needs. Remember, this entire account is coming off the heels of Jesus feeding the thousands. His audience, the crowd that was following him, only pursued him for another free lunch. And I don't know about you, but I learned a long time ago that there is no such thing as a free lunch. Those who are not under a deluding influence understand this fact. Eternal life will ever only cost us one thing. I'm going to say that one more time. Eternal life will only ever cost us one thing. That one thing that eternal life will ever cost us is this, our lives. 
That's it. We get this from Matthew chapter 16, verse 25. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This is Jesus' message to the world that's under a deluding influence. This is the gospel, and Jesus is the source of eternal life. So no, even as it pertains to salvation, there is no such thing as a free lunch. We must lose our life in order to save it. So how does one lose their life then? How is it that you lose your life? It's simple. By repenting of your sin and placing your faith in Jesus. And this is the reason why our main idea this morning stated this. Our eternity is forever secured through repentance of sin and faith in Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we pray for the deluding influence over the world. We know that it will increase as the Antichrist is revealed. But Lord, we pray for any individual who is under a delusion of the reality of the gospel. We pray that you prepare their hearts to hear your message. Use us as a body of believers to share the gospel. Use us as a body of believers to make disciples. We thank you for your work. We thank you that you are the bread of life who came out of heaven, came from heaven to save, to redeem humanity. That's the message. That's the gospel. That's reality. All of it is contingent upon you, your personhood, and your work. It is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com, or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.